Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Pro Basketball Talk Extra. I'm your host, Corey Robinson, with Kurt Healan. Look, Kurt, I am so excited to talk to you because, one, it's been a while. Yeah, Two, there's a lot of stuff happening, you know, rumors of rumors and rumors of war and et cetera within the basketball world. But the World Cup, I know you've been watching a ton of it. Before we get into it, though, how are you doing? How's your week? Good. You know, like, you've been the one now doing stuff. I've been uh, – so I, I want to hear about your trip to the Netherlands. I want to hear how that went because I, I – Look, life's back to normal around here with teachers and kids in school. Like, we're back kind of on a rhythm. So nothing interesting is happening in my life. See, I, I find that hard to believe. I feel like kids make things interesting. <laughs> I feel like that's what, that's what kids do. Yeah, I was in, I was in Amsterdam and Utrecht. I, I basically just got on trains. This is what I like to do. I like to go to a country. And I kind of like, it's kind of random how I pick countries. And then I just go there and I say, okay, this time I wanted to go because I wanted to study uh, artists like Vincent Van Gogh. There were some really great shows. We talked about the Cypress show that you saw at the Met. And then there was a great, um, I love Peter Paul Rubens and stuff. So I wanted to kind of understand the, the Netherlands and like Flemish art in general. So I went out there and I got on trains and like every day I would just wake up at 6 a.m. when it was still dark, go to the train station and then just go on a four hour train ride somewhere random and then walk around for about, you know, seven or eight hours, look at stuff. And then come back and then just pass out by 10 p.m. So that's kind of how I travel. It's, if people don't necessarily like it because we walk like eight plus miles oh, a day. Do it though. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very hardcore. It's like literally like, you know, like I was out in the, in the wilderness, like in Zelda woods in the Netherlands. I was like in the small town walking on the highway, <laughs> like, <laughs> like going in and out of like national forests and like, you know, eating at roadside, like uh, truck stops for tomato soup. Like it was like a very intense trip, but I learned a great deal about art. So I'm happy to be back. And I got to go to Paris and I got to kind of peek in. You know, I went straight to Notre Dame. I went to at a long way. Oh, there you go. I literally went straight. I got out of the airport from Charles de Gaulle straight to Notre Dame. Looked at, you know, one of my favorite. How, okay. In the world. How, how, when I was there last was not long after the fire. So it was all scaffolding. You couldn't get close to it. I, I, how, how is that coming along? Yeah, so there's there's still a little barrier around it. I didn't go too close because there's like all these tents and stuff around. You can still see the scaffolding, but the the facade is is immaculate. And I mean, so I mean, it looked really pretty. I can just I can text you a photo after this. Yeah, but it, it looked really pretty, and and I was it was just stunning to see, and I couldn't stop smiling because you know it's one of those things where you're walking around Paris, you're walking around the Seine, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you walk by the Louvre, yeah, and you just just like there's just something there's a real magic, and I could kind of feel that pre-Olympic magic. You know, I've been to Tokyo, I was there for the Olympics, I was there in Beijing for the Olympics, um, but this felt like 
the city was, it really did feel special, you know, and I've been to Paris before, but this one felt different. There was a different, there's a different sense. So I, I can't wait for next year. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, you'll be there, I'm sure. And then that was, that would be great. And it is, look, man, talk about one of the world's great art cities too. Though. Oh, the fashion there. Is out and of the fashion, world. yeah. So. So let's talk about basketball, shall we? Um, the World Cup. There was a moment there where the U.S. It, it looked as though with that loss to Lithuania, some soul searching. Briefly, you know, we know Coach Kerr at the very beginning said, "This is how you beat us. It's not really a secret." He's yeah. <laughs> like rebounding size. Like well, these are our weaknesses, right? And then we kind of saw Lithuania take advantage of that. And then how did the U.S. respond? Uh, beating Italy quite handily. What has been your take? I know you've been watching a lot of the, the World Cup. Yeah, look, I think that this U.S. team, and, and I've talked about before, I think they have really better chemistry than some of that. They've come together pretty quickly, but they needed that loss a little bit for, to, to, Kerr called it afterwards, and I think it's the appropriate term, the Popovich term, appropriate fear. Like, I think mm-hmm. they've become, they've won nine in a row. They needed to face somebody that played the international game well, which Lithuania does. And by the way, Lithuania doing this without DeMontis Sabonis. Like, their best player isn't even there. Um, unless you think they're going to be some sort of Olympic pushover or something down the line. Um, they needed that kind of wake-up call. And they, you could see it against Italy, but Italy also was the right team for them to play after this. Because not only did they play hard from the start, the defensive rotations were sharper. It was the best game, especially the first half, best half they had played. But they, Italy isn't the team to exploit what they do. They've got Germany next in the semifinals on Friday. That is a team that led them by 16 in the second half when they played before. And Anthony Edwards kind of flipped the switch and turned around. They can't get down by 16 this time. So I think it's going to be really um, – this now they're down to the final four. I think the real tests are there for the Americans. You know, it's interesting because when you look at the U.S. roster, I, I know for a lot of people who are basketball fans, you might recognize a few names, you know, like Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson. You might recognize, you know, Mikel Bridges, for instance, a, a rising star in the league. But a lot of people, I don't know if they, you know, are like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch Austin Reeves play, yeah. you know. So I guess like, you're, what has been your take on who, who has shined on this, on this roster for you? On this roster in particular, I, I think there's two things I would want to talk about. First off, I think there was a lot of, and look, Austin Reeves good, but he's a Laker. He's overhyped. No, but by the end of training camp, they're like, no, dude, Austin's legit. And Austin has absolutely been legit. Um, But I think what's really stood out, the two guys that have been dynamic for them is Reeves paired with Tyrese Halliburton Mm -hmm. off the bench has been phenomenal. I think a lot, this has been a great setting for Tyrese Halliburton. And I think I look, we'll talk about them more later. I'm sneaking high on the Pacers this year as a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I think that they're better than people realize. Wow. But Halbert is part of that. He is a borderline all-NBA type player, an all-star last year. But you get him with these – he's one of those guys who's like – you get him in the open court with these players running and cutting, and he's just finding guys, and he's in his element, and he's quietly one of the three or four best passers in the league. And I don't know that everybody realized it until he got there. So – he stood out. They've stood out. Ben, um, I think Bancaro has been with them. Um, and they Kerr came around to moving Brandon Ingram to the second unit, which is a better fit and putting in Josh Hart. But they're still – Corey, I think what's going to be interesting about the game against Germany, they've got to adapt 
they're still not fully adapted to playing FIBA basketball, to playing international basketball. And you saw this in Tokyo. Look, the big difference is there is – it's a rules thing. There's no illegal defense. You can't have illegal defense. So you can park a guy in the paint, which is why Jokovic, uh, Nikola Jokic and Vucevic and guys like that are valuable international players because you can space the floor. Like you, you pull the five out of the center, so you can't just park Rudy Gobert in the paint. But because of that, the help comes earlier, and the U.S. wasn't doing that. Like Austin Reeves got just smoked against Lithuania because they kept, hey, well, you're going to switch the pick. We're going to get you on a 6'10 guy that you can't cover and back you down in the post. And the help didn't come because in NBA basketball, the help can't come the same way. And they didn't adapt. Mm-hmm. And they better do it against Germany because Germany's got Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner, and they'll just – post up those smaller American wings if, if they don't adapt to that faster. And if Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't stay out of foul trouble. It's interesting the uh, what, what Coach Kerr said, too, about this team with regards to other teams. He said this team, you know, he kind of knew what the roster was going to be. I, yeah. I know you mentioned a couple, maybe Ingram second unit, hard moving in. But for the most part, you yeah. kind of knew uh, – first unit, second unit. And, and I feel like when we're talking about chemistry coming together quickly, you don't always get that with USA basketball. No. Uh, how has that helped them in this tournament? I think it's helped them just be smoother. I mean, look, you're going to beat Jordan anyway, but they really didn't have much trouble against a decent Greece team and some other squads that might have in the past given them trouble, um, just because I think the chemistry there. And the other part of that is, and I mean, we'll talk about this because if you're talking about the best players in the tournament, I think Anthony Edwards has emerged as, as part of this. We hadn't talked about him. He's, he's does, I don't know how much you've gotten to watch, Corey, but he looks like a guy, not only the, not only does Steve Kerr call him the guy on this team, but to me, and maybe you've watched this, doesn't he look like a guy ready for a breakout? Like, well, like, I kind of think, I kinda think we've, we've seen this a little bit from him, flashes, yeah. I would say glimpses of, of brilliance. I always think of him like a, a lightning bolt. Like, you know, kind of like this electric current that is just so um, it's so volatile, but also just so powerful. And if they can channel that, I think that could be a very deadly force. And I thought we just saw it at times with the Timberwolves where you, you and I have discussed this, where we're thinking, is this his team or is this like it looks like it's his team. Right. Yeah. But I, I think that there was a moment here. And, and I think this is why it's so important to play international basketball. And I think the international players get this. I know a lot of the, the best players in the world aren't there right now. But I just yeah. want to, you know, you do see generally like they'll play for their teams, you know, um, in the offseason. I, I think that the international scene allows people like Anthony Edwards who are like, okay, am I on the cusp of being a franchise player, like the guy for my team in the NBA? What does that mean? What's the responsibilities for me? How do I get into a rhythm early? He is now the guy on this team, and he had to make that decision where there was this one game where he was like, okay, well, I, I didn't really – I wasn't shooting that well. I didn't know what to do. Second half, he comes in. He's like four straight baskets. Yeah. He's like, okay, now I, I understand I'm the guy. I have to be more aggressive. Yeah. That kind of shift in mentality is important because now he understands what it takes to be a day-in and day-out franchise player. And you wouldn't necessarily get that kind of quick reaction um, and quick stakes in such a fast, compressed time period in the NBA because, you know, the, the season takes yeah. forever. Yeah. And, by the way, I liked what he did against Italy where – they were overwhelming the team, the, you know, Italy. And he didn't have to be that guy. He could have gone and gotten a bu- bunch of buckets. He was just more talented. But hey, let's spread the wealth, man. Let's get, hey, Mikhail Bridges has got the hot hand. Let's get Bridges the ball, even though apparently in the building they kept calling him Michael Bridges. Um, 
Mikhail Bridges had the hot hand, and they were like, all right, let's feed the hot hand, which is a good sign, not a, hey, it's got to be me. I got to go get my numbers. If the other guy's hot, let's get him the ball. That's a, a good sign for them. So I, I'll tell you, watching it, my top guys, Luca's been the best guy in the tournament. Luca, and I know they got eliminated today, but Luka Doncic is just special. <laughs> He's special in international basketball. Second, a guy who's still alive with Canada, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been probably the MVP, will probably get MVP of the tournament um, or, or close to it if, if it's not one of the Americans because he's been amazing. Um, I'll tell you some other guys, though, that kind of snuck up. With the Bulls, Carla Jones, kind of a bench guy for them, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, former NBA guy Tremont Waters playing for Puerto Rico. His looks like maybe he should be back in the league. Like he looked really good. And if you're a Knicks fan, so Dan, producer Dan, this is for you. I'm going to butcher the name, Rokas Jakubatis, Jakubatis, I believe it's pronounced, Lithuanian. Knicks have his draft rights. He's their point guard. He's looked like he's ready to come over and be a backup NBA point guard. Like, Knicks fans have got in the can a guy who could come over and be part of a team and make it work. So uh, producer Dan should be happy because there was a couple of Knicks and former Knicks in Lithuania who suddenly looked pretty good. Well, I'm very excited to see what happens on Friday. By the way, I – I'm excited to see that. And also, you're tying Corey's jukebox right into Team USA. Yes. So, Corey's jukebox. This is going to take a little more of a, a somber note. But I want to do Team USA men's basketball. And what's, we've, we've been, like, you know, in the offseason, we, we get very we get very flexible <laughs> with Corey's yeah. jukebox. We're, gonna, we're doing the whole, the whole program, Team USA men's basketball. Uh, it's Didn't You Know by Erica Badu. That's a, I wanted to invite uh, Erica Badu into the pod to, to be able to describe what I think is happening here. Uh, we've mentioned this before, the last FIBA World Cup showing with the, with the United States. And then in Tokyo, there was a moment where I was thinking, did they miss a, a bullet? You know, like, there were times when I was thinking, this, the loss against Nigeria coming early on, and then some of these close games against France. I was like, this is, this is not the dominant U.S. team we've seen in the past. And then this idea of like players wanting to become brands more so than yeah. basketball players, which I totally understand. You know, I'm more than an athlete, that whole concept. Um, I get it. But then I, I thought it was very revealing what Kevin Durant said recently on a panel this past summer, this summer, excuse me. He, he was like talking to his uh, business um, partner, Rich Kleiman, right? And he was saying, eventually he's like had all these brand obligations or whatever. And then he said, do I have to do this? And the guy was like, no, you don't have to do this. And he was talking to this audience at this panel how he wants to get back to what he loves doing, which is basketball and how basketball gave him these opportunities to go do these shoots and promotional things and brand stuff. But it's also taking away now from what he loves to do most, which is think about basketball and play basketball. And I think that while the U.S. stars, you know, and he's like one of the most decorated U.S. Yeah. Olympians ever, right? So I think, you know, if he's saying that, then obviously it's trickled down to the rest of the, the ranks of the U.S. system. And I think that also is, is pretty clearly indicated in who wants to play and why. Like you're looking at this roster currently, you know, and you're thinking, well, who's on this team? Who can I really like? Is this? It's, it's almost like what happened in 88 with the U.S. Yeah. team when they sent all the college players. Yeah. And then they thought, well, we did this in the past. We can do this all the time. The rest of the world was catching up. And then in 88, the U.S. men's team actually lost like fair and square. Yeah. And then what was the response to bring the, the dream team and how to convince all the best players in the world to want to play again, right? Or for, sorry, for the first time. I think that's the moment we're at right now 
with USA basketball, where the, the rest of the world, like, you know, Shai Gilgis Alexander, you said, yeah, could be in the tournament. He's playing for Canada. Like, you know, um, uh, Van Fleet wants to, doesn't yeah. want to, you know, he wants to go play. And, and same thing with uh, Victor Wimanyama, number one overall draft pick, wants to Paris, uh, wants to play in Paris and help French, yeah. the French team win gold and, and beat USA. It's like, I think everyone, Carlton Towns, playing for Puerto Rico, uh, for the Dominican Republic. It's so it's kind of like down the list, you know? Yeah. Where I'm thinking, like, the best players in the NBA are kind of like Joel Embiid, like, we play for there's a recruitment. Will he play for USA or Cameroon? <laughs> like, you know, so it's kind of like an interesting question right now. Um, Jokic, Doncic, like you can kind of go down the list. Uh, and I think it's getting kind of scary. Yeah. And and how does Erica tie into that? How does the song tie in? Oh, yeah. So didn't you know is talking about this idea of like I, I, I somewhere along the line, I, I took a wrong turn. And, you know, so didn't you know uh, what was going to come? So that's kind of the concept. I think it's a premonition of like a an ill, an ill omen, like a forecast that I think, like I said, every, there's these cycles in fashion that happens all the time, like 20 year cycles, 30 year cycles, and then like 50, 60 year cycles is kind of the way it works. Um, and it's because I personally believe, you know, you have kids go off to college and they come back and like they start wearing their parents stuff and they're like, oh, this is so cool. It's vintage. Right. And then you have like another cycle later on where uh, like 30 years, you know, you're starting like to raise kids and then what you thought was cool growing up starts coming back which is nostalgia yeah. you know yeah because you have to start watching kids show and stuff so then you start going back to your childhood and you start that's references and then 50 years is like when you take care of your grandparents who are dying and stuff and you start looking at the old family photos and you're like wow they were wearing this back then this is so chic grandma grandpa right and then that is the reference yeah. so it's the same thing with basketball i think where 88 i think is coming around pretty quick kurt and i think it's going to uh I think we might, for Paris, I think we might see another U.S. team lose gold. And that's why this uh, premonition thing, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah. I No, I, without going way down that road, I think you are totally right about Paris and U.S. not winning gold. Uh, Serbia has, Serbia has looked like maybe the best team in this tournament, and they're playing without Jokic. <laughs> like, I mean, it's crazy. Canada's loaded. Like, it, they, there's a bunch of, yeah. It is not out of the question. Like I said, Lithuania beat us without Sabonis. There's a real chance that they do not take home gold in Paris, not because we're not talented, but because the rest of the world is. Which is a good thing, yeah. you know, because you know, yeah. the level of basketball is rising, which is great. But yeah. it also, I think, is, you know, it's on us, the U.S. team, to to realize that and step. And I think it's on the U.S. superstars to realize, just like with the All-Star game, it's like, well, who actually wants to go to All-Star weekend? Who actually wants to play in this game? It's like why don't we just go to mexico or why don't we just you know like why don't we just go on vacation or take some time off or go party like why do i want to be a part of this the rest of the world is starting to i think take advantage of that and i think that's Kurt, is what my point is you know it seems as though the rest of the world um is going to surpass the u.s unless the u.s gets its act together um and like people really want to start playing and realize it's not going to you know it's not going to just they can't take it for granted it's not going to just come to you um so i in that sense, I think it's great for the game of basketball, but I'm also saddened personally for the U.S. team because I think it's going to a paradigm shift is coming pretty soon, and you can't just tap Michael Jordan and, and Larry Bird and Mike, Magic like yeah, David Stern exactly. in '92. Like you can't just have a new dream team. No, we've had like three dream teams since then, like yeah. the redeem team, the dream team. It's like every team since then, I guess is not. But yeah. you can't have another super ultra dream team. This isn't like Space Jam. There's no you can't just like call Bugs Bunny. You know, there's not there's no one left to call. No, and it's. Yeah, it's not 92 anymore. Guys are not stopping to ask Charles Barkley for their autograph after the game anymore. Like they all. Or before the game. No, no, one's, going, you know, no one's going to LeBron and pretty warm up to asking for an autograph. 
Yeah, not anymore. They're getting, I guess, kind of all know him. So. Um, so let's talk about Kurt's Corner. So yeah, before we jump in, before, before we jump into Kurt's Corner, I just for the, everybody listening to the podcast or watching this video on YouTube or wherever, look, I know your fantasy football team. You just picked them first weekend. You're out there thinking, and who am I going to start at wide receiver? Should I be playing the Atlanta Falcons defense? Like you've got all those questions, and you're probably leaning on Roto World and and the NBC Sports um, fantasy apparatus, which is just brilliant you got to start thinking about doing it for your basketball team. And we're here to help out a little bit. We're only a month away from the start of camp. So Roto World is giving you an assist with the Fantasy Basketball Draft Guide, which, look, it's got everything you need. It's got rankings, players' outlooks, projections, everything you need if you want to you know, raise the trophy in your group this year or, you know, win money from your friends, which, let's be honest, which is what you really want to do. Um, just if, We're going to help you out. Go to NBCSports.com slash hoops where you can get the basketball draft guide now. And if you use, listeners, if you use the code HOOPS23, you get 20% off and you get a $10 Fanatics gift e-card. So do it now. Take advantage of that and jump in. So with that, Corey, let's go over to – Yeah, it's a good deal. With that, Corey, let's go over to Kurt's Corner. We're moving on to the Central Division. We're kind of breaking down the league as we head into the league each week by doing – we did Northwest last time. We're going to Central – Let's talk about the Central Division. And where do you want to start? We can go Bucks, let's Cavs, Bucks. Okay, Let's start with the Bucks because they're the clear contenders, right? I mean, they've still got Giannis. Mm-hmm. They spent money this summer, to, and he put a scare on them this summer. Yeah, but say, for how long do they have Giannis? <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you that. Didn't I tell you that there's there's trouble brewing yeah. in Milwaukee? Yeah, yeah, you did. You have talked about it. I, I look for the next two years. They brought back. They re-signed Lopez and Middleton. They put in some depth. Like I think for look, they're contenders this year. They're contenders next year, but the pivot's yeah. coming. But doesn't that do you feel like that puts pressure on them this year, right? Like they oh, got yeah. to win. They're one of the teams facing real pressure this year to win. They're obviously contenders. But what happens what happens during the inevitable four-game losing streak that hits every team, right? How would yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think, but from my perspective, when I look at this book, but when I look at this yeah. team, and I think, okay, well, what, what are the pressure points? You know, like I, I, I like Giannis, right? I think the way he's handled this business in the league has been pretty exemplary. You know, as yeah. as far as league superstars go. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, for him to come out with that kind of statement with this new ownership, like this is basically like a, like a, I just need a commitment from. Yeah, you because you know I'm not going to do all this work unless you also put the put the time and effort in. And I think part of this, and this is what I think a lot of people miss, Kurt. And I would love to hear your thoughts. The stability aspect, yeah. right? Like you just got rid of his coach, right? And like, yeah, that coach also won Coach of the Year. You know, like <laughs> so you're thinking, okay, well, I understand maybe getting rid of PJ Tucker or the pieces around because it's hard. Like we talk about this a lot. It's hard to have those little tiny pieces around that like kind of pull you from the next level. Um, so that part I get. But, you know, the instability aspect, I think, is the commitment that could really, uh, you know, convince someone like Giannis to leave. It's like if you if, if we don't do well and, you know, if you fire my coach again, like, who yeah. knows what's going to happen? Well, the, the, they got the coach he wanted. They that, Look, I, first up, I don't think Boonholzer gets fired without his okay. If that's he, fair. That's, that's if, a good, he, point. if he championed him, he, he'd still be there. They get the guy. A.J. Griffin was the guy allegedly he wanted. Puts a lot of pressure on Griffin. Again, with – Having Holiday back, who's still elite. Having Brooke Lopez back, but he's 35. Middleton's back, but he's 33. Mm-hmm. 
the pivot's coming, and I think that that's what he's looking at. Like, this contract is up in two years. Where Where is this team in two years? How are we transitioning to what's, you know, he's he, in two years, he's 30. He's still contending. Like, how do you? Yeah, he's good. So I, I think that that's what's looking ahead. I think this year, though, that just puts a lot of pressure on them to win this year. Um, there's a lot of other teams, by the way, in this division I like. I'm kind of high on the Cavaliers. Yeah, no. um, mm-hmm. Look, good team last year, obviously elite backcourt with Donovan Mitchell and everything, but they filled needs. Like last year, like, man, they need help on the three. They need more spacing shooting. Max Struess plays three, plays hard on defense, spaces the floor, and he'll be splitting time there with George Niang, who spaces the floor, does really well, was great for the Sixers. I think the real question for how good – I think they – look, I think they're a playoff team. The question of whether they're a contender, whether they're a threat to Milwaukee or Boston or whatever the 76ers are going to be, that's, you know, <laughs> um, I want to go down that road. But it's Evan Mobley. Yeah. To me, if Evan Mobley makes the leap, this team is so good. But is he ready for yeah. that? It's, it's- yeah, it's an interesting question because, you know, there are moments with this stop and start Cavs team where, you know, obviously, you know, the ownership is patient and they're going to they're going to spend. So that's great. You know, and, and I think I think Dan Gilbert's made that very, very clear over his tenure owning that team. So awesome. Check. I think the other thing, too, is when I think about Darius Garland, I think he to me is someone like um, the guy from uh, Atlanta Hawks, uh, DeJounte Murray. Yeah. To me, Darius Garland is someone who took a big step. I think Mikel Bridges also falls in this category. Someone who takes a big step. And then people like start to salivate and gets that all-star nod. Right. And then I think that you reach a, a, a basically a peak and, um, and uh, Lori Markman is also in this category for me. And I, and I don't know how much more Darius can give you, which I think it was wise that they get, that they got Donovan Mitchell. Right. Right. And then I think Evans, that's the one Evan Mobley is kind of like, you're right. He, 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 yeah. Who knows how good this guy can be at times. I'm thinking like, is he going to, I'm not going to say that. I don't want to put that out there yet. But we'll, uh, but he could be really, really good. And if he's great, then this team takes that next step. Because yeah. even with Donovan Mitchell, I have questions because I saw what he did in Utah, right? And, and I know that he can get you far, but not over the hump. So I think Evan's the piece. I think you're right. Yeah, I think he's the guy that really takes them over. And, uh, and does it on both ends, by the way. Like he, I think, I think yeah. he's a, a preseason – in the conversation, defensive player of the year type player plus, but the question is the other end. Like he's he's making leaps. Is he ready to be a little more Anthony Davis in his ability to create and score and stuff? Like you know, not not that he's going to be Anthony Davis yet, but can he be more of that guy? But then also with Karis Lewis, I just want to mention too off the bench. To me, he's oh, yeah. kind of like that Jordan Clarkson, you know, that yeah. Lou Williams. Like I think it's a very good role for if, if you know, depending on how they use him. But to me, I'm like Karis Levert off the bench. Is is like that could be a really nice, yeah. Thing. Uh, Indiana Pacers, another team I'm kind of sneaky high on. Um, I told you, look, we talked about him during the World Cup portion of this pod and talk. Like Tyrese Halliburton's special. Like Tyrese Halliburton's really good, but they made really look. They've got Miles Turner. They've got Buddy Heald, one of the best pure shooters in the game. They've got guys, but they made really smart moves. They weren't really good defensively despite having Miles Turner's back there, Bruce Brown helps. Bruce Brown yeah, gives them a pickup. huge pickup, gave him, paid him big look. This is where he's having that cap space, and now you got to spend it. I'm going to go spend it on a guy who gives us the defense we need on the wing. 
And another quiet pickup they made that I love is Obi Toppin. Because Ooh. somebody's got to run with Halliburton. Obi Toppin will run. Plus, if you're playing pick and pop with Miles Turner, Turner's not really a dive guy, right? He wants to pop out. He can shoot the three. Somebody's got to dive. And there goes Obi, or, or, or Obi's cutting out of the dunker spot, or you know, however you're going to use him, whatever sets you want to run him off of, uh, run him some UCLA stuff and post him up, or whatever. You can use him in a lot of different ways to – get going. So I liked him. I liked, by the way, the rookie Jairus Walker at Summer League uh, mm. comes in with an NBA body ready to go. Like, I just think that they're a team very well coached by Rick Carlisle that yeah. is they're going to be better. I think they're just one of those teams. They're on TV, national TV once, but I think by the end, by January, Corey, you and I are talking about like, shouldn't we be seeing more of them? Like, Yeah, and it's a nice position to be in, especially when you're kind of like, I think Tyrese Halliburton, I, I agree with you. Yeah, there's nothing you said about that. I agree with you. I think Obi Toppin, this is just my personal opinion. You know how I, I think about roster management and such. To me, that's writing on the wall for Miles Turner. I didn't understand for I, I don't understand his history with the organization personally. I, I, for me, I think this is like we're ready to start thinking about potentially, you know, moving. I I, I think that's a really good pick point for, for I think that's a really good pickup. And then Bruce Brown, I agree. I think that's great pacers. I think it's bad for Bruce Brown. And I think you only need to look at something like Jeremy Grant, for instance, yeah. as someone who has done like really well, moves on DeJounte Murray. There's yeah. another person. And um, was that one guy, uh, the guy who went to uh, Washington and played so well for, for um, Bertans. Oh, Bertans. Bertans is another example. Of, like, So you play super well, you go to another team with these expectations, you sign a bigger deal because you wanted the money. I understand that. It's hard to get, make this kind of money ever again in your lifetime. But I think it does kind yeah. of it kind of affects the trajectory of your career, I think, negatively. So I, I disagree with the move for Bruce personally, but I think the Pacers won here. I mean, he's yeah, a great, yeah. great player for them. It's a great pickup for them. So, Also in this division, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, no Lonzo Ball for the entire season. We already know that. Which mm. I just, I just That's so sad, it. by the way. I'm Yeah, and this is a major surgery, third surgery, but this one – growing tissue, putting it back in. Nobody's really coming mm-hmm. back from that. I, I hope to see him back on the court next year. He's putting in the work. He's talking back to Stephen A. Smith. Good. But I, I hope we see him back on the court because he was the glue that made this whole thing go. I, does this feel like to you – I mean, look, there's talent on this roster, obviously. We talked about Vucevic, who they resigned. Uh, they Recently, they got – Levine is a scoring yeah, machine. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also the question of, you know – What's going to happen? I mean, yeah, yeah, I think the Bulls are back where they started before. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's talk about some of the people who who, who are coming back. Kobe White. I mean, I, I think yeah. when I when I was in Chicago, and I was very briefly. This was during COVID. So it was like right before COVID. I moved to Chicago, and um, I was around the team, uh, and there was so much buzz around Kobe White. Right? I mean, he was doing pretty amazing stuff back then in 2020. People were like, "What? What could he be for us?" And I'm happy that they're rewarding him. I think you know, I think he's a good player for them. He just got a, on a three-year deal. Who else did you like that they're coming back? I think look, they've got talent. I think my obviously DeRozan's back, but I think the question just becomes: at what point, if your Bulls management are you? And I guess this has been the issue with Bulls ownership above that beyond for a while. Are they happy being just okay, like a good player? Or, or I mean, or do you make a move? Is it time to think about how you're going to switch this thing up and be better? So I mean, they're going to be okay. They're going to be good. They're not going to be a bad team, but. At what point do you say we're, we're okay? I, yeah, this is a great question. I, I, I think you're right. 
on because the reason why they did a, a like a cataclysmic seismic shift, I mean, like they destroyed everything to be great, right? And they're just okay again, you know? And, and then you have to think, well, okay, well, what do we need to do? I think I love Vucevic as a player, yeah. you know, I, but I, I do think there's a limit as far as what he can, what yeah. he can do. Yeah. We saw that in Orlando and we see it again in Chicago. So that's pretty, the, the verdict is out. Yeah. And I think with Zach Levine, I, I think that it's another question of, well, did you reach your peak to what, you know, as far as trade value and like what you can offer us? I think he, the answer might've been yes, uh, following that Tokyo gold. And, and I'm thinking, well, now they're in a really rough spot because, you know, what do you do? with a player who thinks he's a superstar and is going to demand certain contract, but then the team is not getting there. What he was doing, I mean, there was a moment last, was it last year or two years ago with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine? They were putting up numbers we haven't seen since like, what, like Michael and Scotty? I mean, it was crazy, right? But it, but it just, it wasn't sustainable. So I don't know what they're going to do, Kurt. Yeah, I just, I, I'm really curious do the, if, if, if they're one of those teams we're talking a bunch at the trade deadline because DeRozan and maybe more are, very available. We'll see. Um, another team that could have a guy available at the deadline, but we'll get to that. The Pistons. Um, I think they're going to be, look, they're rebuilding, but I think they're, Kate Cunningham went to you training, you know, was on the U.S. select team and tore it up mm-hmm. at USA camp. And uh, to the point he reportedly got an offer to join the main squad um, wow. and uh, said he didn't want to do it yet. He didn't feel ready. Um, but mm. He was impressing the heck out of everybody at Team USA camp. So if he's back and healthy this year, remember we missed played 19 games at the start of last season. If he's back, their young players, Royal um, Ivy, not, I almost called Royal Ivy, wrong, wrong Ivy. Jaden Ivy is back, <laughs> grabbing the wrong. Royal Ivy was coaching at the World Cup, by the way. Um, or, or was he co- coaching? No, the- South Sudan, right? Yeah, South Sudan. South they, Sudan, yeah, they, yeah. They got they got their birth. Congratulations to South Sudan. Yeah, that, I mean, that, what an incredible story. Yeah, and yeah, they got their birth with and that was uh Carrick Jones from, from the Bulls and some other guys he recruited in there. So Carrick Jones. So, Jaden um, Ivy. And Jaden. From from no, but Jaden Ivy from Purdue for the Yeah, yeah from Purdue, sorry. So um I they've got Bogdanovich. I'm curious if that like are they trying to if they're pushing for a playing spot, do they keep him or is he another guy where they they talked about trading him, and then they didn't. But is that a guy? Oh, look, I would have to think there's a lot of contending teams that would be like, we'd like to get a hold of him. So, uh, yeah. Joe Harris. I Joe mean, Harris. You know, remember he had yeah. an injury, and now, he, yeah, he's, now he's on the team. I think this team is potentially a little, I, potentially better. But you're still looking at at Williams and and Cunningham and some of their young guys and the, the guys who just drafted. And like, hey, how good can we be? Like, we've just got to get these guys. We're going to take some lumps let's just keep getting better and better each year and developing. I still think this is a developing year. If they're pushing for a play in spot, that's a good year. Like that's, that's a step forward, right? Like if they're, if they're around 30 wins and they're pushing for a play in spot, that's a good year for them. And I don't think that's totally out of the question. So. Okay. I look forward to more of these breakdowns as, a, as we get closer to the start of the season. Now we, we like to end every um, every show with a little bit of a Mad Lib se- segment that's kind of pitched by our producer Dan. I'm going to go off script here. We, we wanted to talk about this idea of a, of like a, apartments because you know college. Yeah, back to starting in Notre Dame's in week three. By the way, yeah, NC like State first true. Notre Dame. I mean, first first real test by the way for Notre Dame football because the first two nothing against Navy, but like yeah yeah know. yeah. So I'm very excited, but you know now that college started. You know, thinking about, okay, well, how do you decorate your college dorm or apartment? I'm curious, though, you know, if you had a, a, 
blank check to talk about interior design, where would you go? How would you design, not just a, a dorm room, but you know, if you're thinking interior design in general, your house, uh, how would you think about it? Uh, that's, it's kind of funny because we sort of had that. You're looking at the redone kitchen behind me. Ooh. Um, yes. When we, we bought this house, um, we were looking for specific things. And now we didn't have a blank check, blank check. But um, without going into a long real estate story, we were in a position because of how we got a hold of this house to redo a bunch of stuff, including the kitchen. We There's things we I want in a house that I know obviously doesn't exist in a dorm room, but sort of does. Um, looking um, in the, we wanted a, we'll call it a great room or whatever the term is, where the kitchen yeah. flows into the, like an open open floor concept, I believe is oh, the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where I want the house to flow, right, through one room to the other. So the kitchen flows into, in our in this place, the kitchen flows into the, call it the family room. I don't know, whatever you want to call this kind of larger room where we gather with TVs and books and stuff. And that opens straight into the backyard, and so you can kind of have this in and out flow. Like, I like that kind of, I want to be able to walk in and say, hey, see what's going on, but also, I don't know, have the vibe of, of that openness rather than each room's kind of its own closed off thing. So, I prefer yeah, that. Home, like and, and, and you can get that a little bit in a dorm, I guess, but a dorm's, I don't know. I lived in a fraternity house where we had way too many people crammed into way too small a space. I lived in a bunk bed. It was. By the way, a bunch of guys trying to clean up the kitchen is it doesn't go as well as you think. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember my the reason I bring this up is because when I was in college, there was someone in that um, one of uh, my colleagues in student government that introduced me to something called apartment therapy, and I'd never really been interested in interior design like ever. Yeah. Until uh, they told me about this website. And I just started looking at, and I, you know, I started looking at like interior design, and then I started looking at like finishes <laughs> and, I, and like lighting fixtures, you know. And you start looking at floor yeah. plans, and it brought me back to when I was in high school. I, I took like three years of architecture. I wanted to be an architecture major at Notre Dame, but I couldn't because the third year is in Rome. You spend the entire year in Rome, oh. and I, I didn't work out with football, obviously. And and of course, all the architecture classes were at the exact same time as practice, so that also didn't really work out. Um, so kind of deferred dream, but I always been kind of since that moment of the architecture training I had in high school, plus this apartment therapy of interior design mixing, I've just been like enamored with the Mets, like a uh, Roman section. Like if you walk into the Met and there's this whole room of just like yeah. these beautiful marble floors. Yes. Yeah. And then like that interior courtyard with the sunroom. Yeah. And I was like, this would be sweet, like to, to live in Italy. And like to live in like Rome and like to have an interior courtyard with just that's it's like, really you know beautiful like ficus trees or stuff and then just like like a fountain and then like these statues and everything's marble and like and like you can kind of walk in and out of like the open uh, yeah. outdoor indoor thing. I thought that'd be like it's great. No AC, just walk in and out and around and all flows. It also that fits into Spanish culture as well, where the courtyard in either in the middle of the house or the front yard becomes a a courtyard that into the house like that's i love that that feel where you're just outside a lot more and yeah yeah especially where you are i mean i, I mean I, I don't know how it work in new york but in italy and in laguna sorry in, in long beach yeah in italy and long beach it would really yeah, work in a certain place or i mean that's why i think it works so well in part of spanish and, and it oh, up in yeah, mexico yeah. as well like you get that right the sunshine yeah. well kurt you know it's always fun talking antwerp 
and Amsterdam and, and, art and, and architecture. Look, we're, now we're going to go off on architecture events because I, I love architecture as well. So now we've got a whole nother, another, we have a whole nother section to annoy Dan with. So this will be good. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I look forward to the next time we talk and, uh, and the U.S. taking on Germany on Friday. World Cup semis. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.